Thank you, Brenda. Good morning. My name, my name is Jenny. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, I just want to thank, I, I want to thank you who are here in person in this sanctuary worshiping. And I also want to thank all of you who are worshiping right now somewhere online, uh, streaming this worship service, and may the signal be strong with you. Thank you, the choir, for leading us. I really, I was trying to joke. Well, let's see, Lance is somewhere around here. Sometimes his jokes also don't work. It's all right. So, today we are wrapping up our sermon series. In the last uh, uh, month, we've been uh, reading through the first letter of John, which is different from the Gospel of John, but the same John probably wrote it. And we talked a lot about the three main things that come up over and over and over again in this letter. We talked about how important for us as believers it is to believe who Jesus Christ is for us. It's important for us to know who Jesus Christ is for us. What Jesus Christ has done for me. This is a foundation of our faith. There is no way around it. It's important. And that's why John over and over again in his letter reminds us, this is who Jesus is. Son of God. Jesus also is the Lord. The boss. All right? You're not the boss. Jesus is. Jesus also is the one that loves you. Jesus also is the one who was God that also was right there with you. Jesus is the one who understands you and knows you closely. So it's important for us to know who Jesus is. There was also a very important, important point that uh, Lance preached about uh, explaining to us the reality of sin. I love the definition that he gave us. I love the definition of thinking about sin not as something that is wrong, that we have done, that we have messed up, that we shouldn't do again. No, I loved his definition of sin as a gap. Sin is a gap between who we are and who we could have been were we always faithful to God. Now, I don't know about you, I'm not always faithful to God, so the gap is pretty large sometimes, all right? Sometimes it maybe shrinks a little bit when I'm on my best behavior, so, but that gap is always there. That's just the reality of our life. That's just the reality of who we are. So living a life uh, with Christian faith without recognizing that, yes, that gap exists, can do that. So it was important for John to, to uh, remind us about sin. And then there was this third topic that really captivated our attention over the last month, and it's about living in love. What does it mean to truly live into this Christian love that we learn from the Scripture about? Uh, I don't know about you, but in my Grace group, we've had so many conversations over uh, this month, and I'm looking here at Robert, he's a representative here, and we talked about what does it mean to love God? All right, that's probably, you know, I can kind of grasp that. What does it mean to love others? Well, it depends on who the others are, like some are kind of easily loved, and with some I have to kind of figure out what that loving is going to look like. And then another one that really, um, I've had a few conversations where people are like, whoa, that's a hard one. Loving yourself. 
You can't love God. You can't love somebody else if you don't love yourself and you don't see yourself as God's child. So John really talks a lot about that and teaches us that that is important. You really have to fully live into this whole idea of loving yourself as God loves you, loving others as God loves them, and also finding ways to love God through praise and worship and just being faithful, recognizing who God is in your life. So John wrote, John wrote this amazing letter, and I imagine, again, I imagine, I don't know, I wasn't there, I wish I was, I wasn't there. I imagine that when he got towards the end of chapter 4, he's like, I think I'm done. I think I got it. I think this is pretty good. So he probably had a buddy. I don't know. Let's call him Philip or Timothy. I don't know. One of those disciples that was also there. And he's like, hey, I'm about to send it out to a whole lot of people. Can you like read it? Give me some feedback, you know? I don't know. Like check for typos too. And I just imagine that that buddy, you know, reads the letter, reads everything and comes back to John and says, John, this is good stuff. Good job. This is awesome. You know, this is not just going to speak to us here. This is not just going to speak to our friends that we're going to send this letter to. This letter is going to circulate around. It's going to go viral. Dude, I'm telling you, you've done a great job. This is so important. Two things, however, two things. He was a helpful friend, you know, not the kind that reads and says, yeah, everything's good. No, he, ha he had some positive feedback. So he said, two things, John. First of all, don't forget to sign the letter. He forgot, but we figured out who that was anyway. Um, and then second, he says, you know what? You gotta give people a why. Like all of the stuff that you say is good, we understand it. We were with Jesus. We are right now experiencing this movement of the Holy Spirit, and it's all exciting and new, so we get it. But you know what? Down the road, I don't know, let's say randomly 2,000 years from now, they'll still be reading your stuff, but it's not going to be news anymore. So you've got to give people why. Why does it matter? Why, why do I need to like really put myself through this whole thing. Can I just be nice? Can I just like be an okay person? I don't know. So give, give people why. And so and that, that was the feedback that John received. So John had to go back and kind of think about it, I imagine, and he thought about it. And he comes back and says, I got it. In fact, I got it. I, I got it, and there is one word that's going to give them their why. Doesn't matter what generation they come from, doesn't matter how much they need to question me, how much authenticity and transparency they require. I have one word that will explain it all to them. This is the why. And the word is I'm not going to tell you quite yet. Hold on. Because he said it in Greek, so we have to learn Greek first. Sorry, guys. So, Hold on, I brought something over here, and I was hiding it all this time. Ta-da, side story. Here's my Nikes. I'm not a runner, but if I do run, I've got to run in my Nikes. Uh, I uh, worked as an administrative assistant uh, one day um, at Meacham Airport. And when you're administrative assistant with a job description that goes through like five pages, you know, you're kind of like, okay, I basically do everything that nobody else wants to do. So one day my boss comes and says, you know what, we have this closet, it's full of file cabinets. And we keep in it all of the documentation, we print 
everything because the FAA requires us to do so, and we keep everything concerning each aircraft we worked on for X amount of years. Our last purge was 15 years ago. So here's the date, everything before that date, every single document before that date, just shred it. Y'all, I went through four shredders. That took forever. Plus, it was one of those closets where the air conditioning is kind of weird, like you get one van, but not the other van. So eh, it, was, it was not the most pleasant experience. So what I did was I downloaded an audiobook, and I thought, oh, I'll just listen to something while I'm doing this mindless work for days. And uh, I downloaded a book, just kind of randomly popped up, called Shoe Dog. And it was about Phil Knight and his friends who started something that turned to be Nike brand. So he was, that was his story. And I was just fascinated by it, like shredding all of those documents. Like I kind of, you know, I just put that on autopilot. Like that was like the best couple of weeks of my life, like listening to that audiobook and thinking about it. I did not realize how much Phil Knight and his friends ha went through to get to the point where these are the only shoes I will run in, because they're good. They're good running shoes. Nike is a good brand. And I also never knew how difficult that journey was. He started the company with a different name, and then people stole his ideas, people stole money from him, he suffered tr uh, personal tragedies, he was defeated from so many different ways, and then when it seemed like, all right, just dude, give up, just go, go, go find another business, I don't know, st start selling TVs or something, he came back to his team and he said, we're going to start again, and we're going to start with a new name. And he suggested the name Nike. Now, that's a Greek word that all of you know, you just don't know you know Greek. Okay? <laughs> so in Greek, it's Nike. But we're going to say Nike because we're used to it. Nike, Nike. That is a word for victory. That is a word for uh, conquering, for defeating. And that is the word that he chose because he needed at that point when he was at his lowest, where everything that could have failed already failed, he wanted a name that would give him hope that there will be a victory. And he chose that word. So when I was reading John to prepare for this message, and um, uh, you, you all have different translations. You may have words in verses 4 and 5 that are defeat or conquer or something else. All right, so it's all one word. So this, uh, this is how the text goes. This is what John wanted to relate in those two verses to explain to us why. For whatever is born of God, Nikes the world. And this is the Nike, the victory, that Nikes the world, our faith. Who is it that Nikes the world, but the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Now, I understand I am a Russian-speaking person who speaks of world domination, banging a shoe on the podium. Some of you got that. I knew some of you knew that. Some of you didn't, so Google it afterwards. Um, so, forget the world domination, forget the globe. Let's focus on our bubble. 
okay? I'm not talking about conquering the world. I'm right now going to talk about conquering, transforming, taking charge of your own bubble. What's in your bubble? What's in your bubble besides faith, all right? We have that. You all are here. You're in the church. You look like good Sunday morning people. So you've got faith in your bubble. But you know what else you've got in your bubble? Something that Lance covered in his second sermon of this series. If you missed it, hold on, I have a sticky note that tells me exactly what for you to look at. He preached on August 14th, and it's on about 20 minutes down in the sermon. He talked about seven universal sins. And I don't know about you, but that was one of the best description of sin that I have heard. I didn't like it. I saw way too much of myself in it. Like in the past week, I, almost, I probably hit all of those, but it spoke to me. I even went, I went back and wrote it down. So what's in our bubble besides faith that we have? We also have in our bubble pride. And Lenz described it as, this attitude of, I'm the center of my story, my truth, my way is the right way, not yours. That's pride. Don't know about you, but that's definitely in my bubble. Avarice. Now, that's an English word I didn't know, but it's greed. It's that, that desire to have more because you are convinced that if you just have more of X, whatever that X is. If you just have more of it, somehow you will be happier and your life will be more meaningful and somehow you will achieve something if you just have more. There is lust. I want to have what I see, especially if it comes to our bodily desires. There is envy. I want what you have and I also want you actually not to have it. That's a twist where I'm like, oh yeah, I've been there. Been there. I don't know about your bubble. Maybe your bubble doesn't have that. Mine does. Gluttony. Gluttony means I want things that are not necessarily bad things. I mean, they're good things, but I want them in the proportions that harm me, that hurt me. I don't know when to stop. Anger. Hmm. My husband is not here. He's probably watching online. All right. He knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> Anger. A lot of times in my bubble, it means I want to get even. I just want to get even. I want this to be fair. I want to get even. And if that means that it hurts you, well, that's what it means. That's anger. Yep, that popped up in my bubble in the last week. And then the last sin that Lance talked about, um, of course, the church fathers called it sloth. When we hear sloth, we think a cute little, you know, animal hanging there on the tree. Nope. Sloth in our bubble means it's that attitude. I don't want to care. God, I know it's important. Holy Spirit, I feel like you are leading me to a point where this is important. You want me to do something about it, but I don't want to do anything about it, and I don't care. That's the stuff that's in our bubble, right there next to faith. And you know what happens? Sometimes there are good days. 
Sometimes there are good days, and I feel like in my bubble, there is this round table, and all the sins are sitting there, and my faith is sitting there, and my common sense is sitting there, and my desire to just be nice is there, and they all have this friendly discussion. You know, and we hear the anger side, and we hear the sloth side, and we hear the greed side, but then faith is the one that wins. That's on my good days. But then there are days, you know, when the pressure is on, when something triggers me, and that democracy is out the door. There is no round table. The attitude that, win that wins is the one that's the loudest. And that's when I'm not at my best. My faith is still there. But the role that that faith plays is so little. The voice is so low because other stuff is screaming. When John wrote about our faith, and he used that word Nike over and over again, saying that that is what your faith is capable for. Your faith is capable of victory over your bubble. Your faith has a potential to win every single battle in your bubble. Feed it. Strengthen it. That's what's at stake. That is why all of that stuff about love, all of that stuff about understanding what is the nature of sin, all of that stuff about who Jesus is and what Jesus has been doing for us and will continue to do, that's why it matters. Because our faith has the potential to transform our bubble. Now notice, it's not our self-discipline. I fail all the time. If I just say, okay, today is the day when I am not going to give in to choose one of those seven. I'll fail. Something comes down on me and it just all blows apart. They've done a study, actually, uh, what they called, the terminology that they coined was uh, vertical violence and horizontal violence. And what they studied was the situations in the hospital, the conflicts in the hospital among hospital workers. And they noticed that each time when a doctor who is in charge, who is in a position of authority, when that doctor was putting pressure and maybe abusing some of his power on the nurses, the nurses didn't fight the doctor, they fought each other because they couldn't go and fight their boss. So the, the conflict just kind of spread around. So it seemed like it was the nurses fighting, and they, and they are the ones that had the problem, when the problem was behind the problem. And that is what our faith also allows us to see. Our faith allows us to see what's the thing behind the thing. We may be mad at someone, but what is causing that anger. Our faith gives us the wisdom to step back, to look back, to name it. Whether you're going to name it as, God, I'm right now, right there in the middle of a sin of anger, because I want to get even with somebody, even if it hurts them. Oh, God, I just want to go and chill, and I don't want to hear any of it. I don't want to care. There is a thing behind the thing, and our faith exposes that. That's one of the things that faith can do. Another thing, another very powerful thing that our faith does, if we feed it and strengthen it to the full capacity, is our faith brings us to a community of faith. 
Now, that's my fancy way of saying you all need to come to church. And not just come to church. Oh, I'm going to make some of you uncomfortable. Invite someone to church. <laughs> that's what a face to, to the full capacity can do. And you know what? I was thinking about who do we invite to church? Who are we comfortable inviting to church? And in my experience, these people need to meet these criteria. First of all, they need to be the Christian. Then they need to be the right kind of Christian, because we know there is those other Christians. All right? So they need to be the right kind of Christian. They also need to actually tell me, hey, I am looking for a church. And you're like, all right, let's hear what you got to say. And then they'll be like, so what time is service in your church? And that's when we feel like, okay, that's when I can invite them. Now, how about I challenge you and I tell you that if you allow your faith to grow to its full capacity, you will be able to invite to church somebody who you don't know whether they meet those criteria or not, even before they discuss it. Ooh, that makes me uncomfortable. Probably makes you uncomfortable too. But that is what our faith that is fully strengthened, that is fully fed, can do. It can transform our bubble, and it also can transform other people's bubbles because we're a community of faith. We are together. You know what? I wish that the church was not messy. I wish that my church would be perfect. If God, you would please remove so-and-so. It would be just so perfect. No! No, that's not how a churches work. You get everybody here. I wish that I could say, oh, my church has those worship services that always speak to me. And once that choir starts singing every single time, I just feel it, God. No, sometimes I zone out. Sorry, choir. You sing wonderfully. Nothing wrong with you. I wish I could say that every single Bible study I show up with speaks exactly to what I needed to hear. No, it doesn't happen. Sometimes I show up and I'm like, what is even this thing that's happening in the church? I don't know. Churches are messy. We are messy. Our paths of discipleship are messy. When we tell ourselves, okay, God, I see the value of why. I see why it is important to feed my faith, to strengthen it, to let it be and act to its full capacity. Guess what's going to happen? It's not like you're going to get a before and after picture. You know, on this day, I heard this sermon, and I decided I'm going to do this. And then on this day, look at me, perfect Christian, crushing it. And my faith is definitely behind the steering wheel every single day. That's not what's going to happen. It's not. See, I, I don't give you good news. That's what Lance is for. Lance is going to be next week. He's going to give you good news. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you how it is. It's just not going to happen. It's going to always be messy. Your discipleship journey is always going to be messy. The church is going to be messy. People that are in the church are just not going to be perfect. And they'll just keep on pushing those, you know, that, those, that seven, seven sin bundle there that's in, my, that's in my bubble. So what can we do about it? Live fully into our faith, no matter how messy the church is. But we do need fellowship. Because what feeds our faith? Worship. Yes, you can worship by yourself, but it's much more better if you worship with somebody. It is so much more powerful when you worship in a place of worship that has the sacred history attached to it. Yes, you can learn by yourself. You can read whatever books you want to read. But 
What can you learn from a conversation with a person who is also struggling, who also is leaning on to their faith, but struggling with real stuff? You can't get that from the books. You can get it in a grace group, right, Robert? Yep. All right, that's my buddy Robert there. Yeah. You, you can find ways to serve, but it's much better when you show up to the church and you see the needs, and you even are blessed with a pastor that will tell you, this is how you do it, and I will walk alongside you and find your ways to fulfill that part of your discipleship. And then looking back, you will say, oh yeah, now I get it. Now I see how important that was for me and my faith. It's okay to pray by yourself, but there is nothing like a prayer with somebody else. There is nothing like a prayer with the congregational care minister that's going to be right there in that corner in the end of the worship service holding your hand, praying for you. Yeah, you can find ways to use your resources and your finances, but the power of giving that happens in the church is unstoppable when we all come together. When we come together with our, with our gifts, however small or how big, however big they are, I'm looking at Nancy in the end of the uh, sanctuary, our director of stewardship. She will be the person to tell you what amazing, wonderful, transformational things the giving can do. That's your discipleship. It happens in the community, however messy and imperfect this community is. And that is the why. That is the why all of this is about. That is the why all of this is important because we need to transform our little bubbles. It may not be the globe, but your little bubble needs a stronger faith. And that faith will fully find its strength sometimes. It's not going to be always perfect, but sometimes you will know that right now, in this situation where everything around me triggers me and sets off all kinds of alarm, I can feel that my faith is in charge. My faith is what facilitates everything. You will feel that. And that's a gift. That's a gift that our loving God has given us. Let's pray. Loving and gracious God, we give you thanks for the scripture that has been leading generations of Christians on this messy path of discipleship. We thank you, God, that your Holy Spirit has been walking with us from the day when we first took our breath until now, never leaving us, even at our worst. You are always at our side. And we thank you, God, for the church, for the community of faith where we can experience your love through so many different ways, touching us, and where we also can be the channels, the true channels of your grace and of your love and of your peace that will go through us to others who need it the most. We thank you, God, for this precious gift of faith that connects us all. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.